welcome back to Don't Get Me Started with DRMS. And I'm Greta Martin. I'm the litigation director here at Disability Rights Mississippi. And joining me today again is our communications director, Jane Walton. How are you doing, Jane? Hey, I'm good. Thanks good. for having me back. Yeah, <laughs> we'd love to have you back. So I've kind of invited myself back on yet again um, to pick our illustrious litigation director's brain because she knows the ins and outs of so many disability rights topics and something that's kind of been coming up lately in the news. There was a big New York Times article about this recently. Um, the National Disability Rights Network put out a statement about this recently. Um, there's just kind of been a lot of motion in the news. Kind of a trending topic mm -hmm. is service animals. So um, this is, you know, like I said, something that's been in the news, um, but something we haven't really, you know, touched on. It's kind of, I know people have a lot of questions about what exactly is a service animal? What about an emotional, like what is the difference between all of that stuff? So I thought it would be a great topic for us to kind of chat back, uh, back and forth about. So I'm ready. All right. <laughs> so first things first. Um, let's get some definitions out of the way. What exactly is a service animal? Okay, so a service animal is going to be um, an individually trained, specifically trained animal that um, performs tasks or does some type of work for a person with a disability. And so your most common reference to this is going to be your seeing eye dog. Uh, seeing eye dogs, of course, assist people with visual impairments, but there are actually many, many, many tasks and different services that a service animal can provide for a person with disability. Um, everything from, you know, a dog that can assist someone with a hearing impairment, um, everyone, um, someone that can assist uh, someone who has seizures, they can alert them to seizures and kind of help protect them when they, you know, have a seizure and there's even a you know service dogs that kind of alert people to take prescribed medications so someone with a mental illness they have to take a prescription every day same time um, you can train a service animal to be that reminder when you know most of us use our phones but some people require the use of a service animal so it's kind of neat the things that they can do um, now you know the Americans with Disabilities Act that's kind of where we go for the governing law on what a service animal is however many states including Mississippi have taken to adding to that kind mm -hmm. of um, Mississippi's is actually a little more limiting okay but it's called the Mississippi Support Animal Act and like I said it does have a little bit more limiting language than the ADA but most covered entities, which we'll kind of talk about, I'm sure, later, have to follow both state and federal law. So your ADA is still going to come into play. Gotcha. But but people do have to be aware that states have laws that consider support animals and service animals as well. Okay. So it can vary, but that's yes. a good kind of flyover. Of, yes. And really, it is so amazing what these service animals can do for the people that they serve. Yes. Um, and you, and you, you don't think about like a medication reminder, how cool that is. Yes. So now can you kind of contrast that service animal with what an, an emotional support animal would be? Okay. So your emotional support animals are, are another type of assistance animal, but they're, and they're not a pet. 
much like a service animal, um, but they provide more of a therapeutic benefit to their owners or handlers. Um, now, this is not an animal that's going to be specifically trained to do a task or perform a service, so they are they they come with more limitations than an actual service animal does right. under the ADA. So emotional service an animals provide comfort, and so there's actually kind of a third prong of assistance animals, and that is your comfort slash therapy dogs. Mm -hmm. And so these two types of animals are very similar. They just provide just the nature of them being with their owner or handler provides that therapy, that therapeutic comfort that somebody might need given their disability or. Or even just, you know, different personality disorders and traits. Some people require the use of an emotional support animal or a therapy dog. Yeah. Um, so, therapy animals, they provide that healing contact. So, you've probably seen them. They um, Lots of uh, therapy dogs go into hospitals, especially children's hospitals, to kind of provide a distraction from their, you know, sometimes extreme treatments and, and, and all that hospital stuff that lots of kids have to deal with when they're in those, uh, have those illnesses. But um, both of these types of animals, while they're used for a therapeutic purpose or even medical purposes, they're not considered service animals. They're very different. And in that same vein, the ADA does not grant the same kind of access to these animals as they would an actual service animal. But um, something to note that actually I think a lot of people forget is that the ADA does make a special exception for what's called a psychiatric service animal. And sometimes mm -hmm. those service animals can be confused with an emotional support animal. Right. And so truly you just have to look back to the ADA definition of this animal is trained to perform a specific task or service. Right. And so that's kind of lately what has been in the news is airline restrictions with their limiting um, certain types of emotional support animals. I think now a lot of airlines are saying, you know, the only type of emotional support animal you can have is a dog. Mm -hmm. You know, we've all seen the, the news stories of someone bringing a peacock to yes. the airport and saying it's my emotional support animal. So that's kind of why this has all been kicked up is some yes. restrictions of emotional support animals, not service animals, mm -hmm. on airlines. So, in that vein, um, generally, where are service animals allowed to be? So, under Title II and Three of the ADA, um, places that service the public. So, that could be businesses, state and lo local government facilities, places like that. They have to allow individuals to bring their service animals in all areas where the public are allowed to go. So, you know, I think, you know, a lot of places, a lot of examples you'll see where issues pop up are hospitals. Mm -hmm. For example, a patient who has a service animal, um, is that service animal allowed to go with them in an ambulance? Yes. Is that service animal allowed to be in the patient's room? Yes. But is that service animal allowed in the operating room when the doctor has them under anesthesia? No. So that kind of gives you an idea of where, you know, the public is allowed to go versus the public would be restricted. Um, but at all times, no matter where the service animal is, the, the owner has to have a control over them. Mm -hmm. So that means that they have to be harnessed or they have to be tethered 
But if that harness or tether some way impedes the task or service they are to perform, then the owner can utilize voice or hand signals. So it doesn't have to be a leash, but you know, they have to be able to control them. And in very few instances, can the owner allow the dog to like go out of their line of vision. Gotcha. So there's a few exceptions to that. For example, if like a you know a veteran who has PTSD utilizes a service animal just to kind of assess the surroundings mm -hmm. for him or her, mm -hmm. they can allow the dog to go into the room they're about to enter, like to precede them, but they have to immediately come in once the dog is given the all clear. Gotcha. Which everything you're saying, it just goes right on back to reasonable accommodations, you know, right. none, none of this is a, a far-fetched thing to be asking for, you know, I would say as someone who, you know, does not have a ser service animal, I can see that it's very reasonable, okay, your dog doesn't need to be in the, the, sur the surgery room mm -hmm. um, for a number of reasons, but it's extremely reasonable to have your service animal ride an ambulance right. with you, etc. And in that same like regard, the service animal cannot be disruptive either. Right. So um, a good example of this, there was actually a case, the circuit leaves me, but a student um, who utilized a service animal uh, was suing the, his or her university um, about uh, their service dog being brought into like the lecture hall. Mm -hmm. The issue was is that the professor found the dog uh, repeatedly barked. Now, if the dog was barking to alert someone, hey, this individual's having an issue or, or doing that's part of its task, right. then that would have been different. But um, if the dog is disruptively barking throughout a lecture or some you know equivalent event, then that's going to be considered disruptive and that individual and his or her service dog can be asked to vacate the premises. Mm. Um, but, you know, I guess that goes back to these dogs, you know, in a reasonable setting. They are very well trained, so it's yes. going to be very rare that you're going to have a, a service animal that's being disruptive. Yes. Um, and, again, all goes back to just reasonable helping people with disabilities do tasks like anyone else. Right. So let's do some fun rapid fire questions regarding service dogs and the ADA. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. What kind of animals can be service animals? So as of March 2011, only dogs are recognized by the ADA for purposes of being a service animal. Now, um, I know there are other animals that can be trained as service animals. I know there's a plethora, like you mentioned, of emotional support animals that have been presented. Mm -hmm. um, but as for animals that are covered under the ADA, specifically mentioned by the ADA, the only animal is a dog. Interesting. Yes. All right. So, are service animals, service dogs, in training considered service animals? So, if they're undergoing their training to be a service animal, are they yet a service animal under the ADA? No. They have to be fully trained before they can be utilized in public as a service animal. So on that note, must a service dog be professionally trained? What does that look like, getting trained? They do not have to be professionally trained. So people with disabilities have the right to train their dog themselves. Okay. They're not required to use a professional dog training service. So they must be trained, but they do not have to be professionally trained. Correct. Interesting. 
if it is not apparent, what can an entity ask with regards to whether a dog is a service animal or not? Okay, so if there is not a harness or a leash or some kind of vest um, that is apparent, and of course, obviously, like I mentioned before, seeing eye dogs, they obviously perform the task that they are, you know, trained to do. Right. But if it's not apparent, um, people, staff or employees at covered entities can only ask two questions. And one is, is the dog a service animal required because of a disability? That's a yes or no question. Right. The second one is, what work or task has the dog been trained to perform? So that's not a yes or no question, but all the individual has to state is, he alerts me to seizure. He alerts me to take my medicine. It can be a very short and simple phrase. Right. So employees cannot ask for proof or documentation. They cannot ask you what your disability is or, or what your symptoms are, anything about your medical diagnosis, and they cannot ask you to make the dog perform. Okay. So if they say, please show me that task, you do not have to do that. You have to tell them what they do for you, but mm -hmm. you do not have to make your service animal perform for whoever is inquiring. Gotcha. And interesting, you, they can ask what they do, but you still in that response, you do not have to disclose your disability. No. So, again, you mentioned, you know, if, if a service animal maybe doesn't have a patch or vest or something on, that might be what prompts the question. Does a service animal have to wear a vest or a patch or a special harness that identifies them as a service animal? No, they do not. So that is not required um, by the ADA um, for them to have a special vest or you know, ID tag or a specific kind of harness. Um, many people with disabilities think it, believe it to be easier to go mm -hmm. ahead and have that emblem or have some kind of, you know, preemptive. Pre yes, just preemptively taking care of the questions, mm -hmm. but they are not required to have that. Okay. So, this is an interesting question because I can't think of the last time I went through a self-service food line because <laughs> of COVID. Right. But, you know, say we're, we're in 2019 or we're, we're a year in the future and you're, you're at a salad bar, buffet, self-service food line. Can a person bring a service dog with them as they go through that line? Yes. So service animals have to be allowed to accompany their handlers to and through service self-service food lines like a salad bar. They can't be prohibited from like communal food preparation areas like um, if someone is in a dorm and mm -hmm. there's like a shared kitchen. Mm -hmm. um, the Of course, the individual can be accompanied by their service dog. Um, another issue, and I believe, again, I don't have a case to cite this, but I, I remember reading an example of a homeless individual bringing their service dog to a shelter. And mm -hmm. so the dog was allowed and should be allowed to like go through the food line, stay right. with them, you know, in the common areas. So, yes. Gotcha. Now, again, we're, we're getting out of our COVID bubble. We're ready to travel. What about hotels? Um, so if a hotel is not pet friendly, do they have to allow a service animal or can they charge a fee for a service animal? Okay, so um, despite a hotel's uh, no pet policy, service animals are the exception to that rule always. Great. So hotel guests who require the use of a service animal, they do not have to be restricted uh, to pet-friendly rooms. Let's mm -hmm. say the hotel is pet-friendly and they mm -hmm. have designated rooms. 
well, they, you know, they do not, this is not a pet. Right. So they do not have to be restricted just to that selection of rooms. And then hotels are not able to charge individuals with service animals a pet fee of any kind, even if that's their pet policy. Mm-hmm. And the only exception to that rule is if the service animal causes damage right. to the room. So, you know, scratch marks or, you know, bites or whatever. Yeah. Um, but again, specifically and specially trained service animals will not do that. Yeah. So um, that is the only exception to the fee rule. Right. And, you know, keep reminding myself, they are not pets. Mm-hmm. This is just, you know, keep repeating that that line of like, they are not, they are pets. not pets. Yeah. Um, okay. So would a church or another place of worship be required to allow a service dog into their facilities? No. So that mm-hmm. is the exception to where service animals are allowed. So we kind of spoke a little bit about, you know, public accommodations falling under the ADA. um, And that's what's known as covered entities. Mm -hmm. So religious institutions and organizations fall outside of that because they're exempt from the ADA. So that is a, you know, those are private religious institutions and organizations. Um, Now, some state laws can, you know, kind of fix that. That does not happen here in Mississippi. Right, right. Um, But uh, generally speaking, um, service animals uh, may not be allowed in your church unless you have some special arrangement with your congregation and your your church leadership or if they have some policies that allow you to do that. But the ADA does not grant that access. So it would just be place by place, which is interesting. I was surprised to hear your answer to that because there's one at my church that has a service animal with her mm-hmm. every Sunday. So it's not to say you can't have one there. That's but right. It's just not most churches. Entities. Yeah. Most yeah. churches I believe would, would absolutely understand that. You just may have to provide a little bit more information than you would under the ADA. So, you know, gotcha. you may have to go to your church leadership, ask for special permission, um, but by federal law, they are not required to allow your service animal in. Gotcha. So, do city ordinances that require dogs to be vaccinated, registered, and licensed also apply to service animals? So, yes. And there's a little caveat to that. So, um, individuals that have service animals are not exempt from, like, local animal ordinances. So, if you live in a city um, that requires you to have a vaccinated registered dog and they require all dogs to be vaccinated, registered, licensed, whatever, then absolutely your service animal would fall under that. Now, a city cannot have a special registration for service animals. So if their policy is, um, no, we do not require everybody to be reg- all dogs to be registered and licensed unless you have a service animal, then that would be in violation of the ADA. Gotcha. Interesting. Okay, so say I have a dog and I want my dog to be certified as a service animal. And I go online and I find this website that says I can buy this document and it says my dog is a certified service animal. And I want, you know, I want, I want proof. I want to be on the up and up. I don't want anyone asking me any questions. Should I buy this document? Is this required? It's not required. Now, should you buy it? I mean, it's kind of like the harness and the ID tag, right? Like if you want something that you can present to people to kind of preempt any questions, 
that's great, but yeah. you could also just print one off on your computer. I was about to say, that sounds like something you could do on Microsoft Word, right. and somebody is getting your money on the internet. So. Right, right. There is no organization or licensure requirement through the ADA or through the Department of Justice. Now, you're going to see lots of individuals and organizations that sell these, mm-hmm. 20 bucks, 30 bucks. They're all over the internet. But these documents are not going to convey any rights under the ADA, and the Department of Justice does not recognize them as proof that the dog is a service animal. So you don't need it. So yeah. you save your 20 bucks. Right. Um, or just make something fun on, on Canva. Or <laughs> like, <laughs> like just, I mean, that's going to have the same um, effect. Right. Um, I, would, I would suggest, and I have suggested to some of our clients who have called with service animal issues, if you're going to spend the 20 or 30 bucks to some organization for a meaningless piece of paper, just go buy a special harness or right. vest for your animal so that you can preemptively avoid any questions. Right. Um, you're not required to, but if yeah. you're going to spend the money anyway, just spend it on something that is a little bit more recognizable right. and you've actually, you know, you put some money behind it. Yeah. I mean, you, you don't want right. to just go and buy a piece of paper that's a completely useless. Yeah. Right, right. So either go buy an identifying material or use that 20 bucks and mm-hmm. make a donation to your preferred disability rights exactly. organization. <laughs> exactly. So, okay, that concludes our rapid fire. Um, any, you know, final parting thoughts on service animals? Have there been any service animal cases that have been noteworthy for you over your career? Anything, um, you know, to kind of end, end on? Yeah, so there's kind of two areas that we we haven't touched on in any of the questions that are important, but we could literally spend an extra 30 minutes on each of them. Um, One you kind of touched on, and that's the air travel um, with regards to service animals and emotional support animals. And again, there's a lot to it. The thing to remember is when you're in the airport, when you're in the terminal, when you're walking up the runway, you're covered by the ADA. But when you step on the aircraft, you're covered by a different set of laws. And it's, they're a little bit different than the ADA. They're similar. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's the Air Carrier Access Act, I believe. Right. So to look there with, a, with regards to a service animal, it's, it's pretty much the same thing. Um, the airlines can ask you questions. I think there might even be one more question they can ask you. Um, they have to allow your service animal on the airplane. I mean, the whole idea of the Carrier Access Act is to protect the rights of people with disabilities, just right. like the ADA, right. but you're on an airplane. Mm-hmm. Um, now, with emotional support and therapy animals, again, because they do not have the ADA access and they're not covered under the ADA, um, the Carrier Act also doesn't give them special privileges. You can bring them on board, but an airline can can require you to provide documentation for those animals, and they can ask for it up to 48 hours before your flight. So if you, the, the best thing I can tell people with a service animal or emotional support or therapy dog um, when they're going to take, you know, a flight is communicate with your airline. Right. You know, bring the documentation you need if you have an emotional support or therapy animal because they're not as covered by the ADA as service animals. And even if you do have a service animal, just make sure that you've communicated that to your airline and they know they're coming. Now, with regards to airports and terminals, they do have to provide a place for service animals and emotional support animals for like relief areas. Mm -hmm. Um, And you can request that the air the airline staff escort you to that 
spot. So you, you don't have to be hunting around for a place for your dog um, once you get off the plane. Okay. So there's a lot more to air travel and animals. <laughs> Um, yeah. and whether you have a disability or a service animal or not, I mean, just flying with an animal communication with the airline is key. And so when it's a special animal, like what we've described here today, you really want to make sure you've communicated. And the other special area, you know, just wanted to bring up is housing. Mm. Um, again here, you're kind of, um, uh, duplicate, uh, duplicating laws here. You've got your ADA and you've got your Fair Housing Act. And right. both of them address service animals or assistance and assistance animals in general. Mm-hmm. Um, with your Fair Housing Act, they kind of lump everybody, all, all these animals into one. They call them assistance animals in general. Um, and the key there is if you have a service animal um, is communicating with your housing provider. And as long as you put in your request that your service animal be allowed to uh, join your housing Mm -hmm. as long as you provide the supporting documentation. So there you would need to make sure that you have, you know, just a doctor, just like we do with reasonable accommodations, right? Right. It's just a physician letter. And you can um, show that this does not uh, provide a direct threat, fundamentally alter, or substantially change the property. if you can hit those three requirements, then more often than not, any type of assistance animal is going to be allowed in right. um, housing that falls under the Fair Housing Act. So with regard to housing that does not fall under the Fair Housing Act, you it, it's kind of the same but different. Mm-hmm. You're going to definitely have protections under the ADA, but you're going to want to communicate right up front with your landlord. And if your landlord or your property manager has a no pets policy, a service animal would absolutely be an exception, mm-hmm. but an emotional support animal may not. Right. So um, I think at the end of the day, the biggest takeaway is service animals have a lot more protection than emotional support animals, and that's not to in any way... Um, put a negative light on emotional support animals or therapy animals. They right. have a, they have a wonderful place in therapeutic and medical treatment. Right. Um, you just have to do a little more homework if your animal is considered emotional support or therapy. Right. Whereas with service animals, you have a little bit more access. You're granted a little bit more permissions under the ADA. Right. And yeah, again, it's, you know, we're not knocking emotional support animals in any no. way, not diminishing the work that they do. Um, but I think, you know, just even in, in name, you know, you've got a service animal that is, you know, performing an essential, you know, service mm-hmm. to this individual so that they can, you know, carry on their day-to-day activities um, and then, you know, a support animal. And so, you know, mm-hmm. it kind of, uh, I guess, makes sense. Um, and I think if I could add one more thing, um, just as the the last point, and and I know I'm a dog person. I have two at home. I believe that puppies just make things so much better. They're um, the best, I, of exactly. <laughs> I have thought that since I was very young. Um, but if you see a service animal in a public place or out anywhere, you your children do not touch the service animal. I know it is hard. It is hard not to want to pet every beautiful, beautiful dog. But specifically service animals, they are on the job. They are working. They are not pets. Right. They are not pets. 
Um, now, it's different with emotional support and therapy animals. There may, the handler might uh, permit you to touch or pet, especially th- therapy animals, right? Yeah. That's part of what they do. They right. go into these hospitals, they go into these clinics, and they provide, provide yeah. comfort. Yeah. But with a service animal, do not touch unless you have very directly and specifically been instructed by the handler that you can do so. Right. Um, that is essential. That's like, I told someone the other day, it's it's like going up and like flattening the tire of somebody's wheelchair. You would not do that. <laughs> so, right. And that is their mobility aid. That right. is their tool that they use to transport yeah. themselves. You think about these very serious services they're providing, you know. Right. You, you don't want to distract this exactly serviced animal from recognizing symptoms of a seizure coming on exactly. or, or anything. They're performing a job, yes. I think. Yeah. They're a very cute, cuddly tool yes. for this person <laughs> to use to survive and to, to, you know, enjoy, you know, enjoy life and be right. outside. And, and they yeah. depend on that animal. Yeah. And so you can't, um, I see it mostly with children, right? Mm-hmm. You know, children just cannot help themselves. I saw a YouTube video the other day of, of a little girl trying to pet a seeing eye dog. And, you know, the video was to instruct people about how this is not something you should do. You should teach your children that if it is a dog in a public place, more often than not, it's going to be a service animal. Right. So to, to make sure that the child doesn't immediately go over to touch it, absolutely ask for permission. You're probably going to be told no. Mm-hmm. Um, but to understand that it's because that animal is providing a service. that's right. very important to that right. person. And we, we so often talk about here, you know, People with disabilities have the the right and to live full, meaningful lives and be included in their communities Correct. and and in all areas of of life. Um, and these service animals are so crucial in that. And and you know, people with certain disabilities, it it they enable them to have these meaningful lives and to you know to participate in the public sphere. Um, right. And. Yeah, so no petting the service animals, please. (laughs) Yes, please. Yes. All right. Well, thank you for providing all of your wealth of information on this topic. Um, Yeah, again, like I said, you know, this isn't something that, you know, you might, this isn't something that comes up um, a lot, but it has been a topic of conversation lately. And, Mm -hmm. you know, people might not know when they're out and about, oh, I you know, they just want to pet the dog. So very, very important topic here. Um, So if you as an individual or an employer or a business owner or anyone have questions regarding service animals, uh, please feel free to reach out to DRMS. Um, Our contact information will be in the show notes. Um, It's also always available on our website, drms.ms um, or you can find us on social media at disrightsms um, yeah so visit our website you can give us a call shoot us an email reach out on social um, and we'd love to answer any questions or provide guidance on the do's and don'ts when it comes to the use of service animals and emotional support animals so until next time everybody I'm Greta Martin with Jane Walden with Disability Rights Mississippi, and we are just getting started. The information
information provided during this episode does not and is not intended to constitute legal advice. All content provided by Disability Rights Mississippi on this podcast is for informational purposes only.